Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts. Hi there, podcast fans. I'm Tom Gibbs. Welcome to Telegraph Audio Football Club. Today, the Premier League previewing continues apace, and it's a brave new world at Chelsea who are planning to give their young players a chance and unable to sign anyone new. A familiar face in the dugout, though. It's only Frank Lampard. We ask if there are any reasons to be cheerful for Crystal Palace supporters this season and cover Everton, who provide us with plenty to talk about, not least because of the marquee signing of Moise Ken. Leicester are everyone's dark horse for Europe, which means they'll probably finish in about 11th, and Liverpool are hoping that their current squad can go one step further and win that elusive league title. Plus, we turn our attention to the Bundesliga, where Leroy Sane could replace Robin and or Ribery, Matt Hummels returns to a decent-looking Dortmund side, and several English players frantically learn some basic conversation on Deutsch. Let's take you now into the audio recording facility where I have an unchanged lineup. So good was Monday's podcast that we've stuck with the same three people. Let's go in the reverse order to how we did it on Monday. First up, Ali Tweedow. How are you, Ali? First up. Yes. I'm, now I'm really chuffed. <laughs> yeah, I was already chuffed to be back again, but now I'm yeah, really, really looking forward to it. Good. Energised for some alphabetical fun. Alongside him, it's our friend Mina Rizuki. What's happening, Mina? Hello, I'm good. Thank you. I'm still reeling from the Zidane comment yesterday, but I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, got a bit, got a little <laughs> bit heated, but that's what we want. We, you know, we're a club, but we want to have people, you know, we're challenging a pineapple one family. another. A pi- oh, lovely. That's lovely. <laughs> when I, I had my honeymoon in Vietnam, and uh, I spelled my name with an H, as you know, uh, and it turns out that in Vietnamese, Tom with an H means pineapple. Uh, and every time we were checking into the hotels people were like oh hello Mr. Tom (laughs) 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 that is funny though someone checked in here as Mr. Pineapple yeah Yeah. oh I think Jason Lee was an an alter ego that is the voice (laughs) of Matt Law what's happening Matt Mina and Ali are in exactly the same clothes as yesterday (laughs) oh come on change clothes (laughs) 
I, do, I just I just like wearing the basics a lot. <laughs> Something untoward has happened here. Should we level with the listener? We are recording this straight after the Monday show. Matt has tried to... Uh, tried he's to... just totally ruined this after we totally played the game. Like yeah, Ali was saying, he's on. so tough to be bad. I'm just an honest guy. Again, no one can you trust know? you two anymore. I'm an honest guy. I'm in the same clothes too. I didn't change in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> News runs through Matt Law. He cannot tell a lie like George Washington. Let's start with a team Matt Law knows an awful lot about. It's Chelsea Football Club, who are now managed, Matt, by Frank Lampard. It's Frank Lampard's Chelsea now. Yeah, well, there it's was Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Derby yeah, last and it's, year. Yeah, it's Frank Lampard's Chelsea. What did he do at Derby last year? How can we expect him to set up at Chelsea based on how he played as Derby manager? Uh, very high energy, very high pressing. Uh, also a little bit of counter-attack against different opposition. It's going to be extremely, almost the polar opposite to Sari in that he changes his formations and approaches for the opposition and also within games, which, of course, is the one thing that Sari wouldn't do. He's very stubborn. And, you know, it ended up working quite well in the end in terms of their finish. But the fans didn't like it. But Lampard's very much about changing for the opposition. Already in pre-season, I've watched them a few times. They've gone 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, even 4 4 best part of kind of 4-4-2 in a sort of diamond. They've probably played three or four different formations in in pre-season and I think we're going to see a lot of change like that um, but he does like a lot of energy a lot of aggression um, I think it's going to be really interesting Jose Mourinho influence maybe a little bit a little bit it's not a million miles away if you watched RB at all last season it's not a million miles away from Jose Mourinho influence the, what you might call the the good days of Jose. This the is Lampard almost, days. This is yeah. almost how I always define Chelsea as, as, a ma- as a club that had a man in charge who was a pragmatist, you know, the man who had lots of players, was given all, all these players and he had to make do and create a formation and, and change it in the middle or or depending on how the, the opponent neutralised his talent or not. And that's why I thought Maurizio Sarri was such an odd signing for them. And I thought, OK, well, here they are trying to start something new, trying to go for a style of play, but that lasted a year. So. They don't want something new. The fans don't want something new. They like they like that Chelsea. They like that dogged Chelsea. They like I like it too. Energy. I don't like yeah, philosophers. I much prefer pragmatists. Yeah, um, and I think Lampard will give them that. I mean, you know, he could get off to a very bad start and they would still... Be chanting his name at every game. He's got he's got the fans for the season and beyond. Whatever. It's such an interesting thing though because this, the whole Chelsea. It feels like a new Chelsea at the moment. Um, not just manager wise, the backroom staff. All of a sudden, it's a load of ex players um, instead of these faceless guys who who were coming in with different coaches who nobody knew. It's the kids because of the transfer ban and because of Lampard. Whether it works or doesn't work, it's very refreshing this summer. It feels different. It feels... The fans are ready for it. I think... It's a bold claim to say this, but I think the fans are ready for it, even if it means no trophies or a bit of an average season. I think they're just ready for a connection again, to get behind something, to feel like there are people at that club who care about the club again, which certainly for the last two managers... And their staff hasn't felt like it's been there at all. You don't think that Antonio Conte fault? I think Conte was always passing through. Don't get me wrong. He, especially that first season, he was very passionate. He made a connection with the fans, but it's a different connection. I think they all knew that he was passing through two or three years max. And because they'd lost that spine of legendary players who were there, whatever, um, they didn't feel they had anyone there who was there for Chelsea as such. The players were there for themselves. The managers were there for themselves. The backroom staffs were there for themselves. 
And I think they they want that. They want that connection now. They want to feel that people are there because they love Chelsea. It might not work, but I, I personally think the, the fans are ready to accept that. One of the ways you can foster that connection is seeing the youth team players a little bit more, which is something we're expecting from Chelsea this year. We have this from Musa, who got in touch via AFC podcast at telegraph.co.uk. He says, will Chelsea have a different approach to youth development in the squad now we have lost Hazard and have a transfer ban? Well, they've got to. I mean, there's no two way around it. They definitely have. And also it's been proven in pre-season. Um, Mason Mount's going to get a, a big chance and could be a very big player for them. Tammy, Tammy Abraham's going to get a chance. I think Tamoy might go on loan. You think so? Um, Reese James will get a big a big chance for sure. Callum Hudson Adoy when he's fit again. He's not just going to throw all the kids in at once. He's not stupid. And there was still, I, for instance, Ampadu's gone out on loan. I think Tamoy could go out on loan. So he's not. He's not going to suddenly bring them all Andreas in. Andreas Christensen he, might get more of a chance. Yeah, than exactly, for sure. And and Zuma back and could well get a chance. Yeah, but I, I think he should go back to Everton. Well, I don't think he will. So, mm. um, but yeah, they've got to. They've got to give the kids a chance. Um, it's just great that uh, Chelsea have now basically have enforced patience. They've <laughs> just the most impatient club in the world, just... Uh, knee-jerk reactions all the time huge signings if something's going slightly wrong and now they can't do that and I, I do think it will benefit them there's a chance that it could benefit these young players so much there could be two or three of them that really uh, push on now that they're going to be it's given It's such a, an interesting time though because there was a, there was a week in the summer um, I mean I covered it all and there was a week in the summer where they literally sold Eden Hazard and lost their manager to Juventus and I at any other club, that would be a complete and utter disaster, and it would be, it would set the tone for the summer. And yet, the summers felt really positive around Chelsea, and it might not be because they're going to do well, but it's just about this connection again, and the, the fact everybody's getting behind what's happened, and everyone feels almost, even people who work at Chelsea, feel pleased that they've got a transfer ban because it stopped the noise, it stopped the chance to get tempted into making a sign-in that they don't actually need or that will upset the the greater good, as it were. It's very relaxing having a transfer. Wait, so hold on a second. QPR it's very relaxing like, for me. QPR had one in January <laughs> last year. It's just too, brilliant. This is all a bit too zen and yoga for me. Like, oh my <laughs> God, like, everyone is so thrilled that we can't have a number nine, you know? Like, yeah, Hazard's gone. And this is what I'm interested to know because it, who is it? Pedro William alongside who? Giroud? The in and out, maybe I can score, maybe I can't. Who's exactly going to be the guy who knocks in the goals? Who's going to be the guy who provides the, the sparkle? Like, it's all good and well to talk about Tammy Abraham. He had a terrific season last year we know that Hudson Odoi is wanted by Bayern Munich we know that he's a special talent but you're not facing just any opponents you're coming up against this is like a a league dominated by Pochettino dominated by um, Pep Guardiola obviously Jurgen Klopp and and yes for me I think they've got a terrific backline and I think that there's when it comes to conceding goals and and between midfield and defence I think they have it but I'd love to see who's going to score or who's going to provide the creativity. And it's all good and well and, and, and believing the fact that everyone now cares for Chelsea and we've got Claude McAuley back, we've got you know Peter Jack back and Frank Lampard, but is this overcorrection? Do these guys understand how to do their role or is it they just love the club and everyone's come back and it's all one big happy family because Milan brought back all their guys and nothing worked out for them. They didn't make Champions League, so... I don't know necessarily whether they have just decided like, okay, well, it didn't work out with these other guys uh, and we tried to bring in a philosopher and that sort of failed. So let's just go for, you know, somebody who loves the club and and we're overcorrecting. It could work out splendidly. Don't get me wrong. And somehow all the kids could 
could score like 50 goals between them. Um, I don't know, yeah. but I, I wonder sometimes whether it's just too happy that sometimes reality might be a little bit harsher and whether or not... I, I, think, they, I think it will be a difficult season, don't get me wrong. I think that it's not going to be easy for them and I don't see it all working out on the pitch. I mean, they've got a very difficult start away at United and then the uh, the Super Cup against Liverpool and then actually playing Leicester, which is a tough match. So, you know, it could get off to a really tricky start. I'm talking about the mood more. Um, How I'm long to- will that stay? I, 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 I think with the fans, it will stay for a long time. I really get the sense that so they're, they're, 15th they're willing to... by December, they're going to still 15th, be 15th, maybe not, but 8th, 9th, yes. It's a trial, isn't it? It's a, Mina's right, though, on the goals. Eden Hazard scored 21 goals last season. The next top score was Giroud on 13. Loftus-Cheek, I think, was third on 10. The goals is the issue. If he can find goals within that team, whether it be through one man, whether Tammy Abraham can suddenly start scoring a lot of goals or whether it be through sharing them around more, they'll be fine. If they can't find the goals, it'll be very difficult for them. And this is going to contradict what I said, because I know for a fact there are people at Chelsea happy they can't sign players this summer. And it has felt very calm and nice because of that. If they had a striker, <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, they do need a number nine. They the, do need the, a number the, nine. The, the point is they were... Uh, team very much based around Eden Hazard last season and the hope is and what I guess people and the fans might find quite exciting is that they're going to become more of a team this season and the the burden is going to be more spread out they don't have a 25 goal a season striker but maybe they've got three that together can score 25 goals Tammy Abraham Giroud and Patshuayi are all capable of scoring eight goals. One name we season. haven't mentioned yet is Christian Pulisic who yeah, has arrived right. from Borussia Dortmund how can he make an instant impact, Mean, if based on what you've seen from him in Germany? It also also depends on how you're going to play him. Um, he obviously didn't do as well uh, under Lucien Favre as he's done under previous management, Borussia Dortmund. You have to know that he's the guy for an outlet. He's the guy that you give the ball to when you are in dangerous areas. You know, he's going to keep it. You know, he's going to dribble fantastically. Um, so it depends on how you're going to use him. I think Pulisic just has been brought in you know, for the fact that he is a great talent and believe me, he's a great talent. But it's going to take a while for him to embed himself into the culture and to understanding the, t- the style of play that's being played there. Dortmund had a very clearly defined style, so it's easier to learn it than perhaps Chelsea now, which is everything's kind of new and up in the air. But it's more also about the commercial value that he brings um, and the fact that he is American and that's going to appeal and open all new barriers for them in the in the American market. I'm interested to see if he injects the creativity, whether the we know that he's very accustomed to the pace of the game. The Bundesliga is very fast. It's all very attack minded. Um, so I, I'd like to see how it goes. But I don't want to put too much pressure on him. Like I don't want to put too much pressure on Tam, Tammy Abraham or Hudson Adoy. You also have to know that Hudson Adoy, for example, he's going to come back from an injury. Is he, is he going to be the same player? Is he going to, you know, still how long is it going to take him to come back to, to doing his best again? I, I'm I'm. There's a lot of question marks. It could work out really well, but I don't know. He's, uh, from what I've seen of Pulisic in pre-season, uh, I think Chelsea fans and, and people who want to judge them are going to have to get used to. He's incredibly different to Hazard. He's going to come, You can't help. People are going to compare him because, yeah, because Hazard's he's gone and he's committed. But he's. I mean, will know far better than me. But from what I've seen of him, he's not the guy who's going to be on the ball the whole time. Um, dictating the pace of play, looking for the ball everywhere. What summed him up for me was I was at the Salzburg match last night, um, last night, last week, 
and Chelsea were under a bit of pressure. Barkley came extremely deep, collected the ball, and literally just pinged the ball over the Salzburg defence, and Pulisic was straight onto it and scored. Very counter-attack, but that looked his strength. His strength didn't look in carrying the ball all over the pitch and getting involved everywhere and beating lots of men. His strength looked, to me, from that game and from the other bits I've seen in pre-season, of like that outlet, like that out ball. And the fact that Barkley did that made me think that they know how to play him. Um, and I do think that certainly in the tougher matches, Chelsea will be set up in quite a counter-attacking way. I also want to see Kovacic being given a chance to. Like, and, Lampard and, loves him. Lampard's spoken so highly of him. He is, honestly. I, I find him to be one of the smartest players that I've watched. And I feel like wherever he's gone, he absorbs instructions really well. So if you're a new coach in Lampard and you want to rely on somebody who's going to carry through your instructions and, and put that into, into effect on, on the pitch, I really think that he's going to be a huge help for them. And you're right, Barkley, in that kind of chemistry that Pulisic is that guy for the out ball. So... Again, it's how you use him. Kovacic hasn't scored a goal for anyone for two and a half years. I know that's not his strength, but I still find that staggering. He was pretty a lot av- on a defensive. He was pretty average last season, wasn't mm. he? I, I think it's going to. I think be. it's going to benefit him when, certainly, when I've seen him um, in the last few weeks, when he started in a four-two-three-one, and you know you'd imagine that'd be next to Kante, but because he's been injured, it's been next to Jorginho a lot. But that that position in the sort of double pivot, two-man deeper man, looks better for him than in the, the three-man midfield because it it doesn't put that attacking emphasis on him quite so much where he fell down a little bit. When he gets around the box, he does tend to just shift it sideways. They've actually well, got so to... many options in central midfield, oh, Chelsea, yeah, don't they? Yeah. And you've got Loftus-Cheek Bar- injured at the moment. Loftus-Cheek still to come back. Mason Mount. Back- Bakayoko. Bakayoko probably won't Bakioko be there. Bakayoko had a great season. season last year at Milan, so I'd love to see him. He's been appalling in preseason. But he might. He's, he's been left he's off their last two he's, preseason he's trips. He's a notoriously slow starter. I've, I also, um, it's a big season for Ross Barkley. This, mm. um, I, I didn't like how uh, Sarri would always would only play Kovacic or Barkley. I don't really see why they could just literally not play together. They're not, they're not that similar. Um, Barkley's, what, 25, 26 by now, um, I think. Uh, and he hasn't kicked on in the way that we thought he was going to. Lampard would obviously know him well just from watching the Premier League and, uh, and stuff. Um, so I, th- I think it'd be really great if this was the season that Barkley, uh, Barkley could push on. Let's hope so. Let's stay in London now and move to South London's finest, Crystal Palace. Uh, Ali, Aaron Wambasaka has gone to Man United. Wilfred Zaha seemingly wants out. Let's take this opportunity to cheer up Palace fans. Can you give us some reasons to feel optimistic about this season for Crystal Palace? Oh, no, I, was, I wasn't expecting I this. I will. Yeah. Uh, Roy Hodgson. Yeah. No, Roy Hodgson side is going to get relegated. Mm. He's just too canny for it. Might not be that entertaining. I know the, the fans, like other, other fans around the Premier League, got annoyed certainly with their home form last season and the fact it wasn't very entertaining but I just don't think you're going to get relegated if you've got Roy Hodgson all right Ali give us the opposite why shouldn't they feel optimistic well there's still a a reliance on Wilfred Zaha um if teams can stop him then Palace have so little I um I don't know if players like Maya Benteke and Jordan Ayew who they've uh Made their loan permanent. Have done something Openly amazing. Laughing at Jordan, no, I mean, I don't. I don't know if they've it's done your something. Question. <laughs> Sorry, I, never mind. I just. I don't know if they've done something amazing in pre-season or something. But I don't know how that those kind of players convince conv- can convince Roy Hodgson that no mo- no other 
creativity is needed in that squad. Oh, they, I think Roy's made it clear he would like some signings in. He, he, this is what I think is, is he he's like such a company man and he came out being like, uh, I need more than yeah. this, you know. This I think is, they will. I, th- I mean, this is definitely going to be one of the clubs that we talk about where the, the squad might look a little bit different after we've spoken because I think they're going to have quite a big four or five days in the transfer market. But even so, it that was obvious two months ago five months oh, for ago sure, yeah. so why leave it till the last three days of, the, sure. of the transfer window you're certainly not going to get value for your buck and they, they've still like I just feel like that forward line needs some pace it needs some something interesting especially if they end up losing Wilfred Zaha um, the fullbacks need to be looked at as well I, I do think Max Meyer might have a better season now that he's it's going to be a second season he's being tested you know a little bit harder in preseason, and he's really, I think, excelled in preseason. So I'd love to see what he can do. But this is a team that, I mean, they finished what twelfth last season. I feel like they're going to be battling relegation at this point. What about Zaha, Matt? Is there any chance that Palace can convince him to do another year? It feels now that sometimes players sort of say they want to leave and they they do all well, this. Well, Zaha uh, every single like, year, yeah, but sort of <laughs> safe in the knowledge that it's not happening this time, but it puts them in a good position Maybe to actually feel sorry move for him, year though. after. Zaha does it every single year and then generally ends up signing a new contract. <laughs> um, for uh, five look, years. I think it's getting too late now to do it this summer, but hey, if Man City suddenly sold Leroy Sane tomorrow, I wonder whether they might have a look at him. That's based on no information, by the way. Um, but Zaha, it feels... I, don't, I do feel sorry for him, and I don't. He signed a contract last summer. I don't think the fee that Crystal Palace are asking for him in this transfer window is overly exorbitant. I think when you see what other players are going from, he probably is worth you know, 70 to 80 million. And if there was a club out there... 110 or something for him? I I don't think that's realistic that they did. I think 70 to 80 million would would get him. Just more than 40. Yeah, exactly. More than 40 in Carl Jenkinson. Um, (laughs) Which brings the value down to about 20. Um, (laughs) That almost detracts. (laughs) Sorry, Carl Jenkinson. Um, But Zaha, he is what he is. He's... If they keep Zaha, Crystal Palace will stay up. He is their talisman. He does brilliantly for them. I'm not convinced that if he went to a, a you know, supposed big club, that it, it would be the same for him. He seems to revel in being that that big fish in a small pond, and certainly at Palace, where he's just an absolute hero. Um, and he he probably can get away with having a few bad games or his goal scoring record not being as good as it probably should be sometimes. And then, but no one will will put any pressure on him for that. Um, I, Honestly, if I was Inter, I'd go for him. I don't think he should go to an English club. I think he should try to look for a transfer outside and just see what he can do in a different league because over here you feel like it's stacked for Arsenal now in the forward line, for City too. I don't think that he's going to be a guy that makes a difference and I think that he'll feel annoyed at sitting in the bench or rotating in a squad like that. And why not just try a new adventure? I think he's got so much skill, so much talent. He can improve his tactical uh, knowledge a little bit more like... I'd love to see him go elsewhere. And I do feel sorry for him because I do think that he wants to move a step up, whether or not it's in his best interest, because I agree with you there. I do think that he's a guy who likes to be a big fish in a small pond. One of the teams chasing Wilfred Zaha Ali is Everton, who we shall move on to now. Is that a realistic destination for a player like him or does that feel like too much of a sideways move at the moment? Yeah, surely. Surely he's going to be aiming higher. Didn't he say he wanted to play in the Champions League and with all respect to uh, Everton, they're not going to be in the Champions League any... Well, Everton, though, would be a good move for him. Do you reckon? I don't see... 
I think it would, just because what we were just talking about, he would sort of get the same thing, but whilst taking a step up still. So he would still... Very tiny step up. Yeah, but if he moved to Everton, I think he would still be the hero and he would still find himself not a big fish in a small pond, but it's you know what I'm saying. The hero. main man. The, the main man. man. Goes yeah, yeah. let's, let's talk hero. about the hero of the day, uh, Mina, who was confirmed over the weekend. We spoke about him plenty last season. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. Moisey Ken. Uh, Moisey Ken. Mo- yeah. yeah, we'll get in there. We'll get Moisey in there. Ken. Give me until week 12 of uh, the Premier League season and we'll get there. Uh, Everton have had a problem since they sold Lukaku. They, they've never properly replaced him. Different sorts of players, but is he the man to uh, replace Lukaku, do you think? I'll put it this way. I mean, when when Juventus have been linked with this move for Lukaku and we're selling our greatest kid to this, to, I, I nearly cried. It's a I'm real honest. get for Everton, isn't it? I mean, if, this is a guy who's just been in terrific form. Can I just say to you that he's got the best minutes per ratio, like goals per uh, goal to minutes? Is that how you say it? Yeah, goal to <laughs> minutes. He's outstanding. He scored more goals than Paolo Di Bala that everyone in the world is now speaking about who thinks he's such a great player and that you know United should have secured. He is tenacious. He's got a lot to learn. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely not the final project. But his work ethic is remarkable. He's desperate to learn. There's been moments where he'll show up late for training and that's something he sometimes needs to adjust. And you can just say that he's a kid, but his acceleration, his pace, he thinks he's, he can play on his first style and how he plays his football um and best thing about it is he's a great finisher for his age and he's got ice veins he's, he's got a way of handling everything that's thrown at him with remarkable ease obviously we know that the racism that he felt in italy and and what was what he was subjected to he never did anything like he was always treated is that part ever- of why he wanted to leave or did he know he, wa- he didn't want to leave oh. um i think this that- is a bit i'm worried about with him it feels, it feels like the move is early for him, both in age and the amount of games he's played. And it feels like the move might not necessarily be something he's driven, which makes me worry slightly about the whole thing. That well, he's he's there's a difference. Is, think, he, uh, is I, he the new Marco Materazzi? <laughs> I think that when you think of sort of uh, Dybala moving to United, that I mean, this is almost like against his will. You know, like he's actually visibly being forced at that point. Uh, when you look at Cotrone at Wolves, that looks like it's one where he's just desperate to not be there, but he has to be there. Um, with Moise Ken, I think the feeling is, is that he really loves Juventus, but he understands that with Ronaldo and all these different players, uh, he's not really going to get that chance. And I do think that he... Unlike all the other kids that Italy have, he's got an ego on him. And that's, I think, what makes him so special is because he genuinely believes that he can be something special. And he wants to test himself. He has an agent who is Mino Raiola, who's going to love to have a transfer, you know, (laughs) and and sort of pocket off that. So that's going to convince him too. But he really does want to test himself out. It could be too early. But considering how well he did last season, how often Allegri depended on him in certain matches towards the end when Ronaldo was getting tired and fatigued and wasn't playing, he was relying on Kent all the time and he was scoring in practically every match for Italy and for Juventus. I just I just fear that if there's too much pressure, he's a 19-year-old moving to a different country, completely different culture, having not played an awful lot of football especially in terms of starts and being relied on as that main man that much. And he's going to Everton, a club who have never replaced Lukaku, who have been desperate for a striker. 
there is going to be a lot of pressure on him. There's going to be a lot of expectation from fans. I just hope he's given a proper chance to settle if it if it has a slow start because it's a massive thing for him. I don't think we can forget that to go abroad and, and do this at 19 on the back of not playing much. I mean, everyone will always say Jane Sancho, Jane Sancho. But there's more cases of, of kids that age moving abroad who just can't, feeling, who yeah. can't hack it because it is a massive thing I to ask of him. I guess at least the price is relatively low. So that in that I sense, don't think it'll not... matter though. I mean, this is But there's less Everton's... pressure. There's less pressure on him uh, for, for that reason. There is outside Everton. Everton, but within this, Everton fans have been so desperate for a striker. And this does look like such an eye-catching signing in a way that I, I do think immediately he will be their hero that could work great for him, don't get me wrong, but it will be difficult. Heading for the exit door at Everton is Idrissa Gay. Uh, it's Fabian Delph in as well, Ali, and I put it to you that Fabian Delph is the most Everton signing there has ever been in the history of Everton. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say Yannick Balassi, oh, 25 million, okay. more, more Everton. Right. Wingers that, Wingers can't that don't match. quite kick on. Yeah. Uh, but Fabian Delph, I like Fabian Delph. I know we've got another Fabian Delph fan in the studio, but um, uh, I think he's a good signing. He's totally different to Idrissa Gay. Uh, I do wonder if it means a change in system somehow. Uh, Andre Gomez and Delph in midfield as a two is not going to work. I think you need a, a holder behind that, but maybe Morgan Schneiderlin, is he still alive? <laughs> uh, maybe yeah, Morgan Schneiderlin. Oh yeah, well, yeah as well. So uh, I think that's a good midfield. Uh, Delph isn't uh, isn't too old to play in the Premier League for another four years or something. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a good I think it's a really good signing. It's yeah. like when they signed Gareth Barry from Manchester yeah, City. Yeah, yeah. Very similar. It's for that, it's a no-brainer. And the interesting thing about Delph, I mean, I didn't watch too much of it, but the Pep Guardiola documentary thing seemed to show that Delph is a real leader in that Man City dressing room. Yeah, England which, love him, don't they? Yeah. And no I think one, that's why he's been born. No in. one could believe it, because obviously he's not a regular for City. You wouldn't have thought of him as being one of the big guys. And yet, he was a real big character in that City dressing room. And England love him for that. That's the reason that, despite not playing for his club... Southgate has stuck with him because he's, he has him as... Southgate has this sort of leadership group of four or five players and Delph's always been in that. Again, even though he's not always playing for England, he can play in several different positions. He's a good guy in the dressing room. How much was it? Eight million or Ten. something like that? 8.5. I mean, oh. I think it's a great... <laughs> I think it's a great bit of business by Everton. Well, I, don't, I mean, it I don't, against it's not going to go wrong. It's not no, going to be a bad absolutely. signing. The director of football, Marcel Brands, wanted you know players who were around the 25, 26 mark. Um, he didn't want to go above that. But when you have a player who represents such good value like that, um, whether it is age or 10, we don't know. But uh, we know that he comes with a lot of experience. And why not just have a guy who's versatile in the way that he plays things? I do, I'd love to see Andre Silva next to Jean-Philippe Gab- uh, I think that that's going to be a really interesting one. I love this player. I, I mean, he was at Mines. He's somebody who really knows how to recycle possession, wins back the ball, starts off attacks. I think he's perfect for the style of player that Silva wants to play in Everton. And if you have those two in midfield and then Delph can come in and out, it's not like he's going to be the man who's necessarily depended on in, in every circumstance. Then Delph's 29 as well. It's not like he's 34. Mm. He's 29 and in the last three or four years actually hasn't played that much football. So he's not exactly reliant he, on pace. Or he anything, should be good he? for four years, shouldn't yeah, he? I do Signing think they the need summer. to get Kurt Zuma back. They're not going to get Kurt Zuma. Forget <laughs> Kurt Zuma. Kiss Zuma goodbye, Mina. They might get Tamori, weirdly. 
I think they can. I, I mean, I'll have a bet with you now that they won't get Kurt Zuma. I'll bet you a thousand pounds. This is the worst and nichest football bet there has ever been. <laughs> you won't get odds on that. No, but Let's because you obviously on. have information that I don't. We're not affiliated with a gambling uh, company yet, so there's no need to be bringing betting into this podcast <laughs> yet. <laughs> Leicester City are the next team on the list of Premier League teams written in alphabetical order. I'm a bit worried about Leicester because everyone is saying they're going to challenge the top six. Everyone is saying, oh, they're going to finish six. It, and I think when when an underdog becomes that well-backed and they're <laughs> everyone's dark horses, I think it tends to go wrong. They've just sold the best player. Um, it's not their best no, yeah, player. Come on. It's Who's not their, their best, best player? player? Vardy. Uh, Tielemans. Nice. James yes. Madison. Maguire. Um, they've look. got they've got other centre backs though, and they've they've replaced they've replaced big players. I'm before. not sure they've got centre backs to replace Maguire unless they bring one in. Um, I think Maguire's go. a huge loss for them. I really do. Yeah. Uh, Dunk might come in. Might do. That bit's difficult at the moment. They might mm. sign someone who looks a great sign. We've got to speak as we find them. And I think Maguire's a huge loss. Um, I think Tielman's a good sign. I'm not at all convinced by Iosi Perez. What? Why not? Um, he's okay. He's okay. Yeah, yeah, he, he's a streaky player as well. I don't see him massively improving them. He's not 30 million. Look, I think they'll be good, but I do agree. I do agree that to, I think people are maybe getting a little bit carried away with almost this expectation that, oh, yeah, that they're, they're going to be sixth or they're really going to be better than Arsenal all of a sudden. They're not better than Arsenal. No, I, but I do think there's something to be said, uh, as you said on the last podcast uh, yet filmed, recorded yesterday, um, <laughs> about, uh, about <laughs> momentum going into a new yeah. season. Um, Leicester had that when they won the league. And uh, Tom said on the podcast last season about how it was a good idea to, might be a good idea, a genius idea to make a managerial change mid-season when uh, for a mid-table team who've got uh, a run a run the rest of the season without pressure on them he can build a philosophy he's got the whole summer transfer window whole pre-season behind him and it there's i think there's lots of positive uh, positivity I, uh, around Leicester people are people are like slagging off man united for paying the money they've paid for maguire but i do think Leicester i'm not sure it makes great football sense does business sense to drag it out to the last week of the transfer window to bring in 80 million quid because they're really going to struggle. I mean, you know, if you go after Nathan Ake now, what, what do you ask for Nathan Ake knowing that they've got four days with 80 million quid in their pocket? They must what, be just, convinced. Why not do it in like, why not do it three weeks ago except slightly less but you've got a way better chance I think they'd be of replacing him and not getting ripped off yourselves. I mean, you know, if you're Brighton with Lewis Dunk, you, do you turn around and say, well, 60 million for Lewis Dunk? Well, surely they're... Um, are they not happy with what they've got? Then they can just say. Well, well if they're happy can... with what they got, I don't think. I think they're going to get a shot. And isn't isn't Plan B? You wait. You know, you accept you might not replace him in this window, and you see how it yeah, goes, and then exactly. back again in January. Well, well in, that, in that case, I think you maybe get a bit of a shot. You've you've got rid of. Okay, I think he's their best player. Everyone else doesn't. So one of your best players, you've got to replace him. How highly do you rate Listen. Brendan Rodgers, Mina? A lot. I, and I do think that, listen, there's a lot of teams who don't have great defences, one of them being Manchester United, which obviously they have improved it with Maguire. But, you know, you look at Arsenal and you look at that defence and I don't necessarily think Leicester's worse. Also, because at least their fullbacks are very good. Uh, at least yeah, I are. feel like, you know, you can really rely on those fullbacks. And I look at that midfield and I just think there's so much creativity there. 
Um, and for me, I, I don't know whether it's a continental thing, but I do think midfield takes you further than anything else. If you have uh, a strong midfield, it almost doesn't matter what you have elsewhere as long as that, you know, I mean, obviously that's a Pep Guardiola thing, but it doesn't really matter as long as they work together as a unit. And you just look at that and you've got James Madison, you've got Tillemans, you've got Mark Albrighton, you've got Harvey Barnes. It's I think that this is a side where if they take to what Brendan Rodgers wants to do, they could be very attacking by all means, but so are Arsenal. And then they've got the support of the fullbacks. You've got Jamie Vardy. Iosi Perez may not be thrilling, but at least he can draw attention away and allow for more space for Vardy. And that was the whole point, right? Is like just to bring a support guy, another sacrificial lamb, if you like, the likes of Wesley Fast and Villa, maybe, you know. It's just to open up space, allow Vardy to to, to play, and they have they can keep the ball now, they can counterattack. There are different I, I, I don't know. I believe in them. I feel like if you have a good midfield, you can go far. Yes. Well, I, you know, I said I was negative about them. I think they'll be fine. I just don't quite buy this uh, definitely finish six business. One team who we do all expect to do very well indeed are Liverpool, who came second last year, slightly unfortunately, on an enormous 97 points. I'm interested in how they approach this season. Do you just say, look, it's the league this year, and you actively sack off Europe and everything around it and just gear it all towards the league because surely the league has to be the priority for them now. It's easy to say that, isn't it? I don't really think in reality it, it, it quite works like that. Conversely, I can't see Pep Guardiola like sacking off the league for the Champions League. Um, I'm interested by Liverpool this season because I think it is a two-horse race and I think Liverpool will be excellent. But... <sighs> I'm surprised I haven't done much this summer. Yeah, question not, from Tom for our AFC podcast at telegraph.co.uk. Not from myself. I can just ask whatever questions I want. Uh, but our <laughs> listener Tom says, will Liverpool's lack of summer investment come back to hurt them later on this season? I think it could do. Not because if you pin me down and said, what exactly do they need? They might need a little bit more in midfield or you know a backup left back or whatever. On the face of it, they don't. I get that they don't really need anything. But I always feel that it's good to even if it's just one sort of yeah. proper signing, just freshen it up mood. a little bit. Yeah, just just bring something different. And I just slightly worry that Guardiola always does that at City. No matter how good at City are, they they still always do it. And they've they've got Rodri in this summer, which was a position that that looked like they did need to do that. And you expect that Manchester City, because of that, will either be as good or better. Liverpool might be. I just feel there's the chance there that Liverpool might not be quite so good as last season. I think and that it's, it's a bit strange that when you look at the fact that their three forwards have been involved in so many competitions for so many seasons now, and they've had a very gruelling summer, all of them in, engaged in competition, Sadio Mane, Firmino, and obviously Salah, then it's a little bit like, why not introduce somebody who can do something different uh, or can replace them should they get tired along the way? We've seen what We've seen how much teams have suffered with players who've played in the World Cup and this is a side that doesn't play the kind of football in which possession dictates everything but it is a lot based on pace it is based on energy and and dynamic play they've tried to change that a little bit try to be more conservative and they'll have to continue with that because I think everyone's a little bit exhausted but it's about they could start really well and they did obviously we've seen them perform very well in the community shield they were probably the better team overall Um, they certainly had a second uh, half to, to remember but 
I am worried that eventually there is going to be a moment where Sadio Mane is just too exhausted or Salah just can't continue this anymore because we saw how many chances he was given. And it's not like you can say, yeah, well, he has, he's had a break for two months, so obviously he's not sharp. It hasn't been a break for that long because he was with Egypt not that long ago. So that worries me. And, and Pep always used to say when he was at Barcelona, it doesn't matter if I've won trebles, it doesn't matter whatever I've won, I need to renew the team because motivations need to be renewed because competition needs to be important. When you take competition out of the equation and players feel like they're always assured of their first place, sometimes they can just say, all right, well, this one we can slack off a little bit. And it's going to be hard, for I feel, for Klopp to continue making the side or, or to push them forward. He has the ability to. We know he's a top manager and and I hope that he does it again to make it exciting for the rest of us. But I would have liked to see a, a left back. I would have liked to see another central defender. I would have liked to see in a midfielder and a forward. They, they, I think in the first 12 weeks, they play all of the top six as well, whereas City only play Tottenham. So... You know, clock, clock. That, that's tough when you, you haven't had a break. And uh, sorry, I, I sorry, won't keep no. interrupting you. Um, you know, they've got the Super Cup as well. They've got this World Club Cup. Um, yeah. Klopp keeps referencing the fixtures and the too many games, which makes me think Klopp feels he needs, it's a valid excuse, but he needs to get an excuse in almost. He, it feels like he knows that this could be the, the thing that blows up for him. He did also say, though, that uh, he doesn't see. A value in the transfer market and they don't want to spend money on secondary players that are just going to be further backup players they've got loads of backup players sounds like Wenger yeah well um and it's a it's a fair point um I, I think they've got a, a good squad um I, I see what you're saying about the front three but um they've also Liverpool have also said uh, they've given Origi a new contract not that long ago and they've said that they've seen a different side to him like the kind of Origi that they they were convinced to sign in the first place. Uh, Oxlade Chamberlain will be back after a full pre-season. He can play in the front three if need be. I'm I'm definitely not um, pessimistic about this season. I'm not Liverpool. pessimistic I think, about them. I, th- I, I mean, don't think that's... it could. I don't think it really will uh, will hurt them. Actually... I mean, there's Ryan Brewster as well. Sorry, as a forward, mm. and he his development has obviously been stunted by injuries. But he's a striker that Klopp rates highly, and so and he's talked about he's not sure about always giving youth a chance. He doesn't say that Klopp so much, but he basically says, if we fly, they fly. But with Brewster, he's almost said that he's going to be given chances over this uh, over the season, and I'd like to see that. At least that's something yeah. forward. Klopp actually reinvented Liverpool quite significantly last season. They were a lot less gung-ho last season, got a bit more solid at the back. Do we expect anything different from them this season, Ali? And were there any clues in Sunday's Community Shield? Um, well, Joe Gomez starting ahead of Joel Matip, who uh, ended the season really well for them. Um, I think this is a big season for Joe Gomez. He's such a good player, um, so versatile, so comfortable on the ball, a really good centre back. Um, so yeah, I think I think so in that sense. Um, I don't it, guessing who Klopp's going to play in central midfield is impossible. Was impossible last season, and it's even more impossible this season. Maybe Naby Keita's going to play a bit more of a, a bit more of a role. Um, when will James Milner's career look anything like ending? Literally no idea. He's going to carry on forever. Um, so, uh, yeah, I do agree. I do think they're going to be uh, more defensively solid. Um, just with Van Dyke. Van Dyke makes the rest of the defence look brilliant, uh, improves the players around him. And I think Joe Gomez will really benefit from that. 
But what I thought that you learned from the community shield was that you can have Van Dyke and you can have a great back line, but unless the entire team presses like they did in the second half and play that game and play as a unit, then defense will suffer even if you have the best performers in the world. So it's about, I'm interested to see the energy levels because we saw Dortmund wane off. We saw they got exhausted towards the end of Klopp's tenure over there. And I want to know what's going to happen this season. On the other hand, they've won the Champions League. They've got this enormous monkey off their back that they couldn't win a trophy. And they'll be going into the season flying, full of full of. Confidence. Oh, for sure. I mean, it sounds like we're being really pessimistic. But, you know, I, I fully expect it to be a, a yeah. battle between the two. I fully expect them to be largely excellent. Um, it's sure. just all I'm judging them against is do I think they're going to get past City? Um, and that's why... I'm a little bit worried that there hasn't been any refreshment when there has been in, in the City squad. And they were so good last season. It'll be so interesting to see whether that was their maximum. I mean, can Van Dyke get even better? Can you know? Can Milner keep going when they need him? Or is he now going to you know go over the, the edge of the cliff a little bit? That's the thing for them. Can, can you get another 2 or 3% out of these players? Or was that it last season? And that's what we're going to find out. You're listening to the Telegraph Audio Football Club, part of the Telegraph Podcasting Network. To find more of our podcasts, just go to telegraph.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Well, that is some absolutely lovely polka music from the top German beat combo, Ralph and Jürgen. Brilliant clarinet work from Jürgen, especially, which tees up a song for Europe about the Bundesliga, Mina. We have Bayern Munich, favourites to win it again, surely. But they're seeing off two of their longest-serving inspirational players, Robin and Ribery, uh, potentially in for Sane, but he got injured in the Community Shield, so we're not quite sure what's going on with that. Would he be a good replacement for them and a good signing for them or or will they be looking elsewhere? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that for them, he's looked at as the ideal signing. And I don't think there's a single pundit in Germany or or former player of Bayern Munich who hasn't come out and said that he's perfect. Niko Kovac himself has come out and said that he's the ideal player for them. Um, I think that when you are a team that has so heavily relied on two excellent wingers all your life, you would like to go for a German player. You would like to go for a player who's close to being almost perfect. Um, He has a few issues, but if his team is built around him and everyone believes in him in in a country that idolizes him, then I'd then I think that he's the perfect signing. You have him, you have Kingsley Coman, you have Davies, Alfonso Davies. There's so much there that I'm interested to see. Meanwhile, at Borussia Dortmund, Sancho picking up where he left off with a goal and an assist in the Super Cup final. We're plenty expected of him this season. But what about Mats Hummels, Mina? He's done the rarely spotted Bundesliga reverse ferret, returning to Dortmund from Bayern Munich. Does he still have much to offer? <laughs> you know, I think this is really interesting, actually. Matt Hummels basically went up to uh, the German manager, sorry, the management of Bayern and was like, so what's the status quo? What's going to happen next season? And they're like, well, we've invested in our, in our obviously in our back line. Uh, we brought in the likes of Lucas and stuff and you'll have to challenge for your place. And he goes, yeah, I'm not up for a challenge, so I'm out. <laughs> and they actually admitted that. They said, and Nico Kovac came out and said, well, you know, we told him what the status quo is and he wasn't interested in challenging. And he goes to, and the whole point of Dortmund last year was everyone was saying, was there enough experience in that back line? So he offers that. But I'm interested also so for Dortmund in many ways, because obviously they won the Super Cup and Jadon Sancho was terrific once again. Um, it's almost like when Jadon Sancho is this good, it's good that Pulisic 
left and has joined Chelsea. Um, he is extraordinary to watch, but the amount of sort of mistakes that Nico Kovac made with with Bayern makes me think that perhaps Dortmund have a chance this season, which is something they can do last season. They have a year in now. They understand the opposition a bit more. And it just looks like Nico doesn't actually ever learn from his mistakes. It's always with the 4-3-3. He still thinks Thiago Alcantara is an actual defensive midfielder and he just isn't. And unless he fixes these tactical issues, I don't care if he brings in Leroy Sano, if he brings in the world's greatest wingers, you know, but he's not going to resolve the matter because defensively they are still poor and they still don't have the balance that they require. Finally, mean a bit, a bit of an exodus this summer from England in players heading to Germany. Uh, Lookman from Everton has gone, Reese Oxford from West Ham and Ethan Ampadu on loan from Chelsea. What's the view of all this in Germany? It seems like we're not so far from the days where we were trying to copy Germany with everything we did here. And is Germany now looking to England for inspiration? Yeah, very much so. I think that they've noticed that English players have done really well in Germany, that they play a similar style of football, at least that Jonas is on attacking as much as possible. And that England has a lot of good kids that that, uh, want to play, that have the desire to excel. Uh, Lookman was excellent uh, before in his stint on his, when he was there. He, I think he had like five goals and 11 appearances and he was just, um, he was tremendous for them. So it just made sense that he would go back there. Um, they, he understands the league. He knows how to make an impression. Uh, same thing with Reese Oxford, is Augsburg. He he loved it when he was there. He said he felt really comfortable in the city. Um, and, and they feel a lot of connection with the fans. Everyone loves them. It's a, it's a similar atmosphere to England in the sense that the stadiums are full. It's not like going to Italy where you're just like, why is there one person in the stand, you know? They, they, they have this affiliation and a, a similar style of play. So I'm interested to see how that's going to go, especially for RB Leipzig. Sehr gut, Mina. Danke. <laughs> No German back for me. Shocking. I have no other. Uh, danke. Schatzi? No. Schatzi? My treasure. Oh. <laughs> delightful. A delightful way to end. That's your lot for today. We'll be back tomorrow, which is Wednesday, of course, provided you are listening to this on a Tuesday, which you are legally required to do. We will be covering Manchester City through to Sheffield United in the show on Wednesday, which is basically another five teams in alphabetical order. You're getting used to it. Very well done. Contact me on Twitter if you'd like to before then. It's at Tom with an H. Gibbs, the email address, as you've heard already, it's afcpodcast at telegraph.co.uk and we'll read out the best of what you send us. Don't forget to subscribe to Audio Football Club. Leave us a review as well. Why not? It's really helpful for us. More people get to hear the podcast. The club grows. Everyone's happy. Thanks to Joel Grove on the buttons and thanks to you for your company. I'll talk to you again soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.